Last night I played poker with tarot cards. I got a full house and four people died. Schmackamagab, it's another Vieira Vault, and uh, this is part two from last week's, uh, we discussed ACDC's 70 discography, but not only that, you know, we went off on other bands and other topics, and uh, this week's no different, actually this week's even longer than last week's episode, but it's just as awesome, so let's get into it, because it's a long one, here's Will Carroll, Death Angel, and myself, Going into ACDC's discography, and we left off with uh, Let There Be Rock, and now we're going into our favorite ACDC album, Power Age. All right, uh, why do I have a feeling, Will, Let There Be Rock's your favorite, is it? It used to be for many, many years, but it's not anymore. Okay, because the next one's my favorite. Mine too. Ah, yes. (laughs) The awesome incredible Power Age. And believe me, we're not alone. I've seen a lot of people cite Power Age as the greatest uh, ACDC album. And I can't, I can't fucking say, I can't, I have to agree with them. Um, Brian Johnson, even Brian Johnson said that. Wow. And you know who, who also loves this album is Keith Richards. I, yeah, I did know that. Yep. Yeah. Keith Richards said it's one of his favorite albums. Um, wow. I mean, and this is the last one and it's not as, you know, beefy and heavy as, you know, the, the previous album that was produced by the same people, right? Uh, yeah. Yep. George Young and Harry Vanda. Uh, didn't, didn't they do everyone so far we talked about? I yes. think so. Yes. And this is the last one. I believe. Did they do anything after this with ACDC again? I think they, Vanda and Young did Flick of the Switch. Oh, wow. I wow. think so. I think yeah. so. Yeah, because I remember uh, Mutt Lang was gone after that. Yeah. I mean, Mutt Lang. Yeah, it was Mutt Lang. I was about to say, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, this is um, this is one hell of a fucking album. Um, Rock and Roll Damnation. What do you think of that? Dude, there's so many things about that song I love. But the, the thing I like the best is all the, the percussion in the song. Like, and even on previous albums, ACDC, you know, you don't really think of them as having extra instruments, too many extra instruments or such a stripped down, you know, basic formula, but they do use a lot of hand clapping and, you know, uh, maracas and, and shakers and stuff here, here and there on some of their songs throughout these early albums. And this song has it all over the place. Like it's the whole song is always a shaker going. And that ah. really that really adds a little flavor to the song. It pushes yeah. it along. Um, uh, just to, to, to change the subject slightly, um, uh, I, I play in the band Hammers of Misfortune, and on the album, the last album we did, uh, John Cobbett, the main guy in the band, he writes all the music, uh, he used uh, this album, Power Ridge, as a template for how to approach the recording for the last Hammers album. Uh, especially with the drums and percussion, like uh, there, there's on any previous Hammers album, there's 
no no shakers or tambourine or any kind of cowbell. Not that I know of. But on this particular album, there's tons of it on the last Hammers album. And that was the inspiration was Powerage and this song in particular. So I had a lot of fun. I had never recorded percussion before in my life. So after I did my drum tracks, I went back in and did, you know, five minutes of or whatever, you know, and it's cool. Like, like I have a beer in one hand and just shake. For five <laughs> so but, was, it, was it easy for you to do it since it was your first attempt? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, if you just, you just got to tap your foot and shake along. But there was a, there was a, there was repercussions for doing this. So I did the entire album in one day, the hand percussion. And some of the songs are like seven minutes long. And there's, there's a shaker or a tambourine or whatever going throughout the whole song. And they yeah. were even saying, hey, well, why don't we just do it like a little increments? You know, do it for two minutes, stop. I was like, nah, dude, I could do it for seven minutes straight, no problem. And I was leaving for Europe the very next day with Death Angel. And the day after that, we're playing a festival. And lo and behold, my fucking arm froze up on me. And I had oh. my, my nerve got, got pinched on, on my left shoulder. And I was I was playing the hi hat. It was in the middle of a, uh, middle of a uh, maybe Mistress of Pain. It was one of the faster old songs. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, my my arm and hand and wrist like just locked up, and I dropped my stick. And I went, holy shit! I was still playing. I was still going dicka 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 dicka. But I wasn't playing along with the hi hat. The ride for it seemed like an eternity. It was probably only like four or five seconds. I grabbed another stick and just I kind of like painted myself through it. But I remember my drum tech just going like, "Dude, are you all right, man? You look like <laughs> you're gonna faint." Like I was like, "My God, man, my arm locked up, and it's all because of fucking this Power Ridge album, really." <laughs> wow, was that was that early in the set or later? It was in the like set? the second fucking song, oh, man. And it, fuck. it was in front of like. 20,000 people, and I went, oh my god, dude, my arm's freezing up, I can feel it coming, I felt like the shock, shock go from my shoulder, and just start, like, coursing down my arm, and once it got to my wrist, my hand just opened up, and I couldn't control it, my hand just opened up, like, lockjaw, and, and my stick just went flying. <laughs> Damn, dude, and you the rest of the show was this way? What was that? Was the rest of the show that way? I was I was in discomfort uh, the rest of the show, but I was able to play it and not okay. not dog it, and I didn't drop any more sticks. And no one said anything to me after the show, so I'm guessing they didn't notice or maybe, <laughs> maybe they thought I broke a stick. But I was sure as hell not going to bring it up because <laughs> <laughs> they would have been like, "Dude, man, what the fuck are you thinking? Doing hand percussion for eight hours straight the day before we're going to Europe?" <laughs> <laughs> and do you remember how long it was till the next show? Oh, it was the next day. And what, did you have problems that day, too? No, no. Oh, it just sorry. happened right away, uh, I, like early in the, in the first set. But it was a weird sensation. It's never happened to me before, and it hasn't happened to me since. But I do remember after that whole day of, of doing percussion, I remember my arm and my shoulder just being incredibly sore, like total carpal tunnel from just doing the same thing over and over again for so many hours. So, yeah, but uh, this song in particular was the inspiration for all of that. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) It's a great track. And I got to say, I got to feel bad for the Canadians because the Canadians version album starts with Sin City and side two starts with Rock and Roll Damnation. 
Right, and the European version is different too. I, I'm looking for it right now. Oh, okay, I got it in front of me. Um, well, it starts with rock and roll, damn it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I own this on vinyl with Cold Hearted Man. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I have this weird box set with all the... No, well, you know, the, 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 all the albums are, are the same as the American version, except they threw that one in there. Right. Yeah. And, and, well, there, there are subtle differences. No, see, the one I have, I have a European version. I bought this in Germany, and the opening track is Give Me a Bullet. What the fuck oh, is wow. that, dude? <laughs> yeah. See, I'm looking here, and it says European LP release. It says Rock and Roll Damnation, then Give Me a Bullet. So you have something very rare there. I guess Rock and Roll Damnation isn't even on this version. What? Yeah. What What replaced it? Nothing. It's four four songs on side one and five on side two. Uh, so it's Give Me a Bullet, Downplay on Blues, Gone Shooting, Riff Raff. And side two is uh, Sin City, Up to My Neck, uh, What's Next to the Moon, Cold Hearted Man, and Kicked in the Teeth. So they, they don't have Rock and Roll Damnation. And there's another song that's not on here either. Cold Hearted Man replaced the song on side two. I can't think of it off the top of my head. What, what, what are the songs on side two? <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, just what you said. Exactly what you said. Sin City, Up to My Neck, What's Next to the Moon, Cold Hearted Man, Kicked in the Teeth. Well, um, on the American version, there's another... Oh, Cold Hearted Man's not on there. And what's No, the song? American version. What is what's the one that... Called? Up to my... No, wait. I'm trying to see what replaced... Um, exactly. Oh, gone shoot! No, gone yep. shooting's on side one. Um, okay, what's let's see, rock and roll damnation. Oh, give me a bullet. Give me a bullet. Uh, it's, not, it's not on there, right? No, it's on there. It's track two. Up to my neck and you. It's rock and roll damnation. Give me a bullet. Uh, down payment blues. Gone shooting. Riff raff. Sin city. Up to my neck and you. What's next to the moon? Cold hearted man and. Kicked in the teeth. So okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Now you, now you got me curious. You're gonna have to give me a second. I want to look at my power to see if that has rock and roll damnation. Give me a second. Yeah, check it out. One minute thirty-seven seconds later. Uh, all right. Yeah, it does have rock and roll damnation. So I have a really, really bizarre version of it. Yeah, that, you do. That, that, and that's not the only thing that's weird about it, man. It, it's a completely different mix. Uh, all the songs sound different. Some of the songs have different fade outs. Yeah. Um, like, for example, uh, the last song, Kicked in the Teeth, you mm-hmm. know how the, the, the version we all know just starts off with Bond singing Two Face Woman with a Two Face Yeah. Bar? On this version I have, it, it opens off- with a, yeah, with an open, open chord, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Man, I love that too. It's awesome. Yeah. It is awesome. And uh, Down Payment Blues doesn't end with the blues riff. Exactly. It just ends with Bond saying, I got the down payment blues, and that's it's it. So weird. Yeah, so weird. I, I love it, though, living with this album for so long, and then uh, hearing these versions of, like, what's in the ne- uh, what's next to the moon had, like, extra little, you know, it's your love that I want. He, he, that goes a little longer exactly. on this version, as I remember correctly. Exactly. And, uh uh, what else? Uh, I, I think that's it, right? Is there anything else different? Because uh, I, I kind of remember Sin City being the same. Yeah, Sin City is the same. And Gone Shooting being the same. I think it was just Down Payment Blues, What's Next to the Moon, and uh, Kicked in the Teeth is what's different on here. Yeah, but it's, it's worth getting that version because it's like hearing the album all over. Oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, I had a friend of mine 
<clears throat> burn it. He was able to burn vinyl to CD. I said, dude, you need to burn me this version, you know. Uh, it's probably up on YouTube now. But, <clears throat> yeah, okay, so let's stick it to the American version. Um, Down Payment Blues, we talked about earlier. One of the greatest ACDC songs, too. One of my favorites. Fuck um, yeah, dude. Uh, <clears throat> I love I love playing that song, man. The way it builds up. I actually get too excited when I play the song. It ends up speeding up. Like, I remember, like, whenever we play this track, the Angus turns around to me and does a slow down like, motion to me. I'm like, okay. I just get so excited when it, the song picks up and revs up. I love it. Fucking man, love it. it sounds like you guys have a godly set list. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's deep tracks. All deep tracks. Nice. Uh, give me a bullet's awesome. Oh, yeah. Uh, Give me something that's you, and I'll make pretend it's you. Badass. <laughs> yeah, it's a deep track on here, but it's awesome. Was And it was played live. I have a bootleg of them playing that. I've never heard that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, uh, Riff Raff. Uh, I'm sure this is the one you guys played. Do you guys open the show with this? Yeah, it's it's not the easiest song to open up with, let me tell you. like I got I to gotta really be warmed up because of the hi-hat action, you know, and... Uh, and, and that's and that's another song that's hard to start off. Like you all have to be on the right page because it's kind of kind of fragmented a little bit the way the song starts and it's not to a real 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 tempo. Like it's not to a real template. When you're just going like we all have to look at each other and just feel it more than it's more of a feeling than uh, things set to a an actual grid, you know. So. That's a hard song, and like Zet always wants to start the set off with it. And I mean, it's a great opening track. It sounds great, but it's not the easiest thing to to, to jump right into. I gotta make sure I'm warmed up to to do that one properly. I you love have it, to do though. you have to do like some cymbal shit in the beginning, right during that riff. Yes, and I think the bass is also doing something, isn't it? Yeah, the bass is going like yeah, 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 and it's like a floor tom. He's doing a roll on the floor tom. And then it goes into some symbol roles, totally. Fucking, it's such an amazing, amazing track, and and, uh, and it's you know, probably the most fur- well that in the last track, the most furious tracks on here. Um, absolutely love Riff Raff. What a what a classic, classic ACD song that I've never seen them play live till the last time I saw them. They actually played it with uh, Axl Rose. Um, were you, you saw that you saw with Axel Rose? <clears throat> let me explain. That? Let me explain something. I know you're gonna think, you know, okay, you're a fucking idiot. I know you're gonna think I'm an idiot. I've seen <clears throat> every ACDC show from for those for those about to rock. I never missed a show. I've never seen a bad ACDC show ever. That's awesome. <clears throat> ever. The best ACDC show I ever saw was with Axel. Yeah, I'm an, I'm an idiot, right? Uh, I, uh, I mean, it's not a bold statement. If that's how you feel, that's how you feel. But I, I, I never thought I'd hear you say that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I love Axl Rose. I'm a Guns N' Roses fan. But the 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 marriage of the two, I wasn't, I wasn't quite sure about that. But I didn't see it, so I don't know how good it was. Well, dude, trust me when I tell you. Number one, they went on. They want. They went on on time. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, Axl Rose was extremely respectful on stage and let it be the Angus Young show. He knew when to go to the front of the stage and he stood back for Angus to do his thing. 
he hit every fucking note. Um, you know, like, you know, it ain't easy doing Hell's Bells back and black oh, yeah. well, or oh. Riff Raff, you know. He hit it. He nailed it. And um <clears throat> and he was just extremely respectful on stage. It wasn't the bratty Axel Rose, you know. I filmed it. <laughs> and I was pretty much um pretty close. And Axel comes up to my camera and I'm like, uh oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> And he played to my camera. He didn't care. <clears throat> and he looked so happy to be up there. You know, that's, it's just... That's great. It, it was, you know, I've seen Guns N' Roses a few times. I think Axel's better in ACDC than Guns N' Roses. No, don't get me wrong. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I prefer Brian Johnson. I prefer Bon Scott. Because, you know what I mean? Brian Johnson, I got to give respect to. Because, you know, for him to fill in for Bon Scott is a big thing to do. And he did it well. And, oh, and yeah. he is the, you can tell he's such an awesome person. And I had a Brian Johnson experience. Doesn't he was, live in Florida? Yes, he lives in North Florida, nowhere near me, like eight hours away. But he was in a um, uh, convertible here, two blocks from my house at a red light. And I was like, oh, my God. And he even had the little taxi driver hat on, dude. <laughs> And I'm at a red light. And this is when I work for the city. I'm in a city truck. And I go, Brian. And he looks over. He's like, hey. And I go, oh, man, it's cool. I go, dude, you guys got to start playing stuff from Flick of the Switch Live. I don't know why I said that. And then he goes, I'll tell the boys. (laughs) And then the green light happened. And he drove away. That was my Brian Johnson experience. And I was giddy the rest of the day. It was just that little interaction we had that lasted five seconds. I was like, what a cool dude. Yeah. You know, he was just so nice. And I, I, I respect the fuck out of Brian. So but so but Axel was a fucking amazing, you know? And I'm not saying this to slight Brian, but, you know, his voice, and understandably, is not, he can't pull it off like he used to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for a long time now. <laughs> yeah, for a very long time. Dude, Axel hit every note, every fucking note. That's awesome. It man. was so incredibly impressive. My friend David Scott, I don't know anybody that hates Axel Rose more than my friend David Scott. After the show, he's like, dude, I can't believe how good he was. I was like, I know, you know, that was fucking amazing, you know? And what I love, why, not mainly because of Axel, that I thought it was the greatest ACD show, it was the fucking set list. Riff Raff. Rock and Roll Damnation. Um, They did so many deep tracks. Even some Brian deep tracks, like Giving the Dog a Bone, um, uh, Shot Down in Flames, uh, Hell Ain't a Bad Place to Be. Wow, man. That's a hell of a set list. Uh, It was was amazing. It was just fucking amazing. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of people I say that to, and they're like, you're a fucking idiot. I go, yeah, I guess I am. But I'm telling you, that was the best time I ever saw it. <laughs> they were just unbelievable because I'm not saying, you know, Axel nailed it and everything, but it was the set list that really sold me, you know, because and they a lot probably of, did. They probably did a weird set list because of Axel being a part of it. You know, it was a weird situation. So, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he chose some of those songs, you know, like some of his favorites. I think so. Cause you know, he's a huge fan. Um, Guns N' Roses covered Riff Raff and Whole Lot of Rosie, you know? 
Right. Uh, did they do twos up? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it didn't make a time. <laughs> uh, Problem Child was played. Riff Raff. Um, have a drink on me. Shot down in flames. Uh, if you want blood, you got it. Cool. Giving the dog a bone. High voltage. Rock and roll damnation. Um, hell ain't a bad place to be. I mean, those are, you know, in riff rap, those are like the the deep tracks. Which you know, and and it was twenty five songs they played. Wow. You know, it was just the shit, dude. It was. I can't, you know, put it into words how amazing that show was. And I bought tickets to see Brian Johnson, but you know they canceled it. But they said, "Don't, you know, we'll reschedule." So I never got rid of the ticket and came back with Axel, and I went, not expecting what I was about to see. Right. I wasn't expecting it to suck. I was like, you know, I think Axel can probably pull this off. He's got a raspy voice; it'll probably work. But I walked out going, "Holy shit! That was the best time I ever seen them." You know. And they're right all good. Other than that, I would say Flick of the Switch was my second favorite. But, all right, did we? No, we're not done with Power Age. Nope. Um, uh, Sin City. Uh, another one that they play with Axel. Um, this is probably the most popular tune off this album. Because uh, this album basically is a deep track album, you know? It's the only song that was really played live throughout the Brian Johnson years up until that Axel show. I mean, yeah, it's the only song that gets radio play, uh, at least where I live. And But I still love it. I'm not sick of that song at all, man. Not no, at all. And I love the breakdown, too, the bass breakdown. Yeah. And the way Angus, like, you know, just comes in snotty, you know, and, like, you know, just starts, like, dragging that pick down the fucking strings, you know? Yeah. Just, uh, just an ama- uh, great, amazing tune, and uh, yeah, probably deserves to be the most popular one because it is, I guess, the most hookiest one on the album. For sure, man. For sure, it's amazing. And then the the very comical, what's next to the moon? I mean, yeah, that that's a trippy track. We also play that. ACZZ play that song, and he does some unusual drum stuff with that song. Uh, it's kind of left of center of what he normally does with ACDC, but the song all around is kind of an unusual, quirky track by ACDC, but uh, he does some cool uh, symbol like, upbeat symbol accents on the, it's the love that you want, ba 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 like, right there, he does a re- really cool symbol accents that uh, are unusual for ACDC, so I I love this track too, man, it's really weird, I'm not quite sure what the what, what the song title means or what it has to do with the lyrics uh, Yeah, but, uh, but I still like it fucking like it it's a it's it's a story it's kind of like a fill and not type thing yeah um there's a story behind it but you know i mean uh but i just love the way he ends he's like i I didn't mean to hurt that woman of mine it was a heart attack you know so just love that and clark kent was out of town you know it's a long way down i mean it's just these clever little you know lines that bond just again nobody can do shit like that you know can phrase like a story and, and rhymes and you know the way he just painted pictures w- with uh, this song it's just just downright amazing and as you said it has like a different mix on the on the version we got yep yep that people need to hear totally you know? do you know what the what the 
song title has to do with the lyrics, though? Have you ever read anything about that? Or No. I have no idea what it means. And I you like know, to keep it that way. <laughs> yeah, me too. You know, yeah. you know who used to do a really killer cover of uh, what, What's Next in the Movie? It was The Organization. No shit. Yeah, I don't think they ever recorded it, but they, they used to play it live, man. And uh, yeah, Rob and Andy would sing it together and do harmonies and stuff, but they did a really good version of it. Wow, man. I wish I wish one day I could find like footage of that, you know. Uh, the next one I really love, uh, Gone Shooting. Yeah. That's Great a, song. And different, very different for ACDC. Yeah, it has a weird, clean guitar tone in the beginning when it, when or it has like a fuzzy kind of fuzzy, clean tone. If that makes sense, uh, in the beginning, uh, the the biggest surprise about this song is when it was included on the Beavis and Butthead Do America soundtrack. I can't believe yeah. that. I was going to mention that the desert scene. Yeah, yeah. I was like, whoa, where, where the hell did this come from? Yeah, <laughs> I remember. I saw that in the theater. and I was blown away. I was like, no way. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And, uh, yeah, they added it to the soundtrack. I thought that was awesome. You know, out of all the ACDC songs, they picked that one, you know? Totally, totally. Definitely, I would say the Dark Horse on this album. Uh, and because and of Beavis and Butthead, it, you know, it, it became well more well-known. But before that, this was definitely not a known track, you know? Totally. It's such a deep track that ACDC's never played it live. I, I don't remember ever playing that song. I would love, love to, but I don't think we ever, we've ever done it. You should bring that up. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. And uh, the next one, I love this song, but it would be my least favorite on here. Is, uh, but I love it, though. Up to my neck and you. What do you think of this one? Uh, we're on the same page completely. Like, uh, that it's, if, there, if you could use the word filler uh, for any song on this album, it would be this song. But I, I don't like using that word for anything on this album i love it right. yeah it is the 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 least of the greatness <laughs> yeah but it's great it's great yeah. it's not it's not skippable you right. know but yeah everything before uh, i like more but I, I still dig it you know it's just you know because this album's you know pretty much flawless and what i was saying earlier about ride on uh you know this is the second best song to hear when a chick like Chews your heart out and spits it in your face. Kicked in the teeth is the ultimate song to listen to and go, yeah, I, I, I don't, I'm not depressed no more, <laughs> you know? Because the way Bond phrases like, you know, fuck you, bitch, you know? Totally, man. I the song pumps me up. Uh, it's a perfect closing track. They, uh, I was back when bands actually, you know, thought about like how an album should be sequenced, sequenced and. And, you know, we have to write a really strong closing track as opposed to a lot of artists nowadays. Like, all the great songs are in the first half of the album and, and the, the more filler tracks close out the album. But I, I, I don't like that. I like how like, in the 70s and 80s, like sometimes the strongest track would be the last song on the album. And that's really smart to do that because you walk away from the from the experience of listening to the album. But. You know, a positive memory, like, wow, that last song ripped. Yeah. So you start thinking the album rips, you know? But yeah. if the album kind of peters out and ends really on a, a weak leg, you get a bad impression of the album overall, usually. So, uh, yeah, it's a very, very strong way to end the album. Fucking awesome, man. Well, you know, to me, Motley Crue's greatest song is Livewire. 
if Dan, okay. if Dan the Girls Grows Girls with Livewire, uh, Bad Boy Boogie still would have ruined the album for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it's way earlier, I'd still think totally. that album sucked. I don't care how good that that fucking bad boy and Nona. I <laughs> know. <laughs> you know it's funny you bring up Livewire, which is yet another song title they stole from ACDC. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, and, and it is. A, I love that song. I think that's my favorite Motley song. You know, but it, uh, it, it is probably going to be a very unpopular thing to say on a on an episode about ACDC. But I think if I had to stack those two songs up to uh, up against each other. I would go for the Motley Crue live wire. You know what? I, I would have to agree with you. And I love yeah. ACD live wire. Yeah. But they really, they, they, they hit the bullseye there. They shot totally. their load on that song, let me tell you. Totally. But, uh, yeah, kicked in the teeth, man. Wow. What a great ending. And, you know, it's just the way, it's just this, you know, a big fuck you for her, you know, destroying me, you know, emotionally. Yeah. And it, you listen to Ride On, you know, it's like, yeah, fuck, you know, it's, I'll get over this. And then fucking kicked in the teeth is like, yeah, I'm over it. You know, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Totally. Uh, all right. The next one is the first one I ever heard. Uh, and wait, you're but, wait, la- before we go there, okay. uh, what do you, what do you think of cold hearted man? Oh, um, I would, I would, I look, I like it, but I don't know. I would put it like in par with up to my neck and you. Me too. Me too. Yeah, it's it's not you know it's not strong. I I always read about that song and and I loved the song title. I was like, oh man, one day I could ever hear the song. And it came out on did it come out on Bonfire or Uh, some some compilation? Yeah, Iron Man Two soundtrack. That that that. Oh really? It was definitely on there. That's the first time I heard it actually. I bought. That's the only reason why I bought the Iron Man two soundtrack because I had to hear the song. Uh, somehow it uh, eluded me all these years, but I was disappointed when I heard it. I gotta be honest because I was because yeah. I knew it was you know recorded for uh, Power Edge. I was like, oh man, this is gonna be great like all the other songs, and I could see why it was left off the album. You know. Yeah, and yeah, and I got the same thing. I was like, when I got this box and I saw that, I was like, what the fuck's this? Because yeah. I never heard of it, you know, until yeah. I got the box. Uh, but you know, another song that's never been heard that they did record is "I'm a Rebel." That it ain't, except uh, covered. Right. It, it was originally written for for ACDC, but I didn't know they Scott. actually recorded it. Yes, it was. I read it. I read it was actually recorded and still not heard by anybody. Interesting. So, yeah. But, um, all right. So, yeah, uh, we'll go to the next one. Right. Uh, my, my friend Eladio, still my buddy. Me and yeah. him used to discover albums together. You know, he'd buy an album. Come over and listen to this. And he bought this album. And you're going to think I'm weird by saying this because I think I'm extremely weird by saying this. When he played me this album, I sat there and I listened. I was like, dude, I don't like that singer. Oh, Wow. <laughs> Yep, first time I heard it, I was like, he sounds like an alien. I was so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> I was so beyond stupid, but I was like, I didn't get it. I well, was like, he, he does say Shaz, but Nanu Nanu at the end of the album, so he maybe he was an alien. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, not, not, I'm not talking about uh, Highway to Hell. Oh, okay. Uh, 
If You Want Blood. Oh, the live album. Ah. Yeah. He got that album, and, you know, he's like, dude, and he loved it. And I was like, dude, uh, yeah, it sounds good. Band sounds good, but I don't know about the singer, dude. <laughs> and now it's like, dude, Bond's in my top ten easily. Totally. Greatest singers ever, you know. But it's one of those weird situations. First time I heard it. The first time I heard Fair Warning from Van Halen, I hated it. <clears throat> and now it's, yeah, I know. I'm a weird dude. But, yeah, but now it's one of my favorites, you know. Wait, but, so uh, when, when you heard Fair Warning, you were already a Van Halen fan? Huge Van Halen fan. I already saw what, what about Fair Warning didn't you like? I thought the songs were weak, and when it was done, I thought, man, the only good song on here is Hear About It Later. I liked it. I liked that one out of all the songs. Now it's like, dude, that album's fucking flawless. Totally. You know? I absolutely love that album, you know? It's, uh, yeah, it's my favorite Van Halen album. There you go. A lot of people's favorite. You know what's weird about me? I love Van Halen albums in order. My favorite. I, I, I saw you, I saw your, on one of your episodes, I saw you say that. And uh, yeah. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, So you like each one. Like, So you like Van Halen one the best or the, or the least? Yeah. I, yeah, it's weird. I like it the best, but I never listen to it because I'm right. burnt out on it. But I think it's their best album. Okay. Uh, then I would say Van Halen 2. Then Women and Children First. Then Fair Warning. I love Diver Down. I, I really do, do. And 84. I mean, in that order. And I love them all. You know, I mean, just because I like one more than the other doesn't mean I dislike it. Right. But Fair Warning is awesome. It's just. And it was the greatest show I ever saw in my life. You know? Yeah, I, you saw that tour, man. Damn. Dude, I'm telling you, the first time I saw Van Halen with Women and Children First, second row. It was the greatest show I ever saw in my life. Then I went to go see Fair Warning, Nosebleeds. The best show I ever saw in my life. <laughs> it, over, it, it, took, it was better than Women and Children First, better than every Van Halen show I'd seen after, better than any show I've seen from any band. <clears throat> there was just something about that show that I can't put into words. Right. It was this vibe between songs. People would, you know, pound on the chairs. There was like these plastic chairs in the sportatorium. It was just phenomenal. It was, I could, I, man, never a show that I left the show and like for like weeks and weeks after I was still in awe of what I witnessed, you know? That's killer, man. Yeah, it was, it, I mean, you had to be there because I just, you know, David Lee Roth would go in the center of the stage after like the third song, and he stood there for about two minutes without saying a word because he couldn't. The crowd was too loud. He just waited for everybody to calm down, you know. It was just, uh, they, they were, to me, Van Halen in the 80s, forget it. And nobody can touch them. They I agree, man. Shit, man. You know, live, it was just, did you ever get to see them back then? No, man. Damn, man. I know. I wish I you could have witnessed that. It was it was just it was a magic, you know, it was like not only the band but the light show was amazing, but the crowd made it like, you know, pushed it to another stratosphere. Sure, you know? man, sure. It was just just an amazing thing to witness. But um uh the live album, which oddly enough, here's something that you didn't know and I didn't find out till many uh years later. Uh, this album, some of it was recorded in West Palm Beach, Florida. And really? Yes. And during that time, this is even more mind-blowing. 
North Miami Beach, I live in South Miami Beach. In North Miami Beach, they gave ACDC the city, the key to the city. <laughs> wow. During this time. <laughs> I heard That's... that. Yeah, I read that later. I was like, wow. You know, amazing, you know. A but, very, very liberal city. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. But, you know, I, obviously I wasn't aware of ACDC at the time because I discovered them on this album. You know, right. And, you know, and like I said, when I bought high voltage, I got it. And then when I went back and listened to this, I was like, damn, you're stupid. This is amazing. Totally. Uh, this album has a, a vibe. Um, but you know what? Most 70s albums, live albums had a vibe. Oh, yeah. You know, I know you were born. I think it was in 1970. 73. Right? 73. Okay. Even later. 73. Um, did you remember? I mean, I knew you knew Kiss Alive. Yeah. But did you remember the specialness of live albums in the 70s? Absolutely. Frampton Comes Alive. Yes. Fog Hat Live. Fog Hat Live. Incredible. Totally, dude. I mean, uh, there's a band. I wouldn't think twice about buying one of their studio albums. And, yeah. and they're usually like 50 cents, even today. Like they, <laughs> they're still 50 cents. And I just like, now I'll pass. But I have Fog Hat Live on vinyl, and I love it. I love every song on it, man. It's Fuck great. yeah, dude. It's one of the greatest live albums. I put that in my top ten, you know? And it's always puzzled me why rock and metal live albums haven't been able to recapture the same spirit. And, I, and I, I know. I know why. I, and it'll make sense if you listen. Um, the reason live albums are not special is because of MTV. Because if you remember listening to live albums, you were it would put you in the show. You sure. didn't know what it looked like, but you can feel the vibe like if you were there. I right. think the visuals of MTV kind of ruined that. You know, and it yeah. doesn't you know, it kinda like the visual kind of like brainwashed us into you know, like because think about it. I mean, what live albums after Unleashed in the East and Made in Japan? You know, would you consider like as good as the seventies live albums? I, I wouldn't because uh, I agree with you with what you say about the visual thing, but even the sound quality of seventies live yeah. albums, yes, is superior. Like, like Live After Death. I mean, I, I like that album, but it doesn't sound as cool as any seventies live album. I can name ten seventies live albums. Maybe like the, I don't like the band more than Iron Maiden, but. Just the the live album sounds better, you know. I, I don't know why that is. I mean, they're using different recording techniques or whatever, but they should go back to what they used to do in the seventies and make a kick ass live album. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's the ambiance of the crowd noise. Yeah, it's kind of got like this. I know this is a bad word to use. I can't think of another. But there's like a kind of like a an emptiness, an awesome emptiness to those albums that. Is kind of filled in later on later live albums. Yeah, that it gives you the kind of like you know the feeling you're there, totally. you know. And uh, this album has that, you know, like like if you listen to the Jack on this album, it's, you hear that, you feel that vibe, and you know the beginning of Riff Raff kind of sounds like it's going into Livewire. Yeah, you know? it does. And then, yeah, it totally and it go, does. And it goes into Riff Raff, and uh, but you know this album is like. Again, flawless, you know, you got, you know, Riff Raff, Hell in a Bad Place to Be, Bad Boy Boogie, The Jack, Problem Child, Whole Lot of Rosie, Rock and Roll Damnation, uh, High Voltage, Let There Be Rock, Rocker, 
it's perfect. I mean, what's weird, I think, about this is TNT. You know, it's like, why did they put TNT? Not that I'm complaining, but you figure TNT would be on on a live album for ACDC because it was kind of like a hit for them, you know? Totally, totally. So it's kind of odd, but... I can live without it, though. I can live without it. No, me too, me too. And yeah, you know what? TNT does have a burnout factor for me. Uh-huh. You know, it's not like, you know, oh, I got to listen to TNT. Like, I got to yeah, listen yeah. to, you know, hell ain't a bad place to be. I got to listen to, you know. But it's, it's I just think the 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 vibe, the performance, you know, the raw, and it's very raw. I mean, this is like, let there be raw kind of raw. Totally. You know, on this album. And I just, I mean, what do you think of this album? I think it's fantastic. It's the first album cover that ever scared me. Yeah, uh, right. That's I was I was freaked out by that fucking album cover and the back cover too, where yeah. he's laying on the ground with the uh-huh. guitar next to him on his back. Yeah, that that uh that really really tripped me out. It, it looks so real. I mean, now you can tell. But when I'm a little kid, I, when I was a little kid, I thought it was real. I thought it was disgusting. So you know, the album definitely made an impression on me when I first saw it. But yeah, dude, the, the, it's fucking awesome. Whenever whenever we do songs from that set list. Uh, that that's on uh, on the live album. We always make sure we do the, that version, the live version. Like we always start off "Let It Be Rock" with da 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 da. Like how the yeah. off. And yeah, it's great, man. Um, I have memories of of some some of the stoners and rockers that lived on my street growing up in the seventies, late seventies. Uh, I used to hear this album blasting from like party houses and people's houses and. I always associated this album with bad boys and, you know, like the, the darker side of, of high school. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. It's, it's, it's a very rebellious sounding album too. Yeah. You know, and I'm looking here at Wikipedia and I didn't know this. Uh, there's a complete concert from the Apollo theater in Glasgow, April 78. And, you know, the set list here is Riff Raff, Problem Child, Hell Ain't a Bad Place to Be, Rock and Roll Damnation, Bad Boy Boogie, Dog Eat Dog, wow. uh, The Jack, High Voltage, Whole Lot of Rosie, Let There Be Rock, Fling Thing. You know that song? I do. It's a B-side. And Rocker. And it says in the notes under it, the song Give Me a Bullet was played during soundcheck according to official Apollo Theater website set list for the show. Fling Thing is a B-side of the original Australian uh, single of uh, Jailbreak, but it's actually a traditional Scottish folk song, the Bonnie Banks O'Loch Lamong. Yeah, and right. I, I, I've, I've heard that, that, you know, that riff before. You know, totally. the band, the band played it live in Australia and Scotland as a, as a staple part of the encores in the early years. Uh, and actually, I have some of that. That's, I believe, on that backtrack. That that show was filmed. Okay. And, and Fling Thing is on it. And Angus is wearing a soccer outfit. And huh. be, they, before they start Fling Thing, uh, Angus is kicking a soccer ball on stage. <laughs> okay. Very odd. But, yeah, it's, that's something I didn't know. I just seen this on Wikipedia. It was, it's pretty interesting. Oh, I, and I, it, I, says, yeah. it says the version of Fling Thing and Rocker is also the encore for the concert that's on the Family Jewels DVD. So that's where I saw it, not backtrack. Uh, 
So, and that's I, a really I have, good, that, I have that DVD, the Family Jewels. I, I, I haven't watched it in like a decade. So that, that, yeah, me neither. I haven't seen it forever. But boy, you want to talk about essential? You know, it's got totally. all those early videos and shit. Very cool so, shit. Totally. But yeah, um, what else is there to say? This this album's incredible. Yeah, um, and that was it, it was produced by Van Dan Young as well, right? Yes, it was. I'm pretty sure. Let me see. Yes, it was. Yeah, I figured it was. Um, and that's where it ends. I mean, for the Bond years, we got one more album where Mutt Lang comes in, and it's their most popular album. I think it's their second biggest selling album. Yes. Uh, after Back in Black, which is yeah. Highway to Hell. And at this time, forget it. I mean, I was already into ACDC. And this is my first ACDC album I bought that was brand new. And man, I don't know, man. I mean, it's tough to, you know, for me, man, it's kind of tough pick, picking between this and Let There Be Rock is my second favorite. Right. You know, because this album, I mean, the sound is great. Uh, and it sounds a little more fuller. Uh, Absolutely. And I guess you have the vinyl. I have the CD version of the alternate cover where it's kind of flames, full of flames, and the guitar neck. Yeah, that yeah, one? Th- they have that on vinyl too in Europe. I've seen it, and I don't know why I haven't bought it yet, but I do intend to, to buy it if I ever go yeah. to Europe again. <laughs> yeah, it's, but it's not different. I mean, it's pretty much the same. Let me see. Yeah, it's the same track listing and right. no different tracks, but uh, historic. I mean, you, as you said, yeah, Highway to Hell's played out enough that you guys don't even play it. Right. Um, I love it though. It's just such an anthem, and. You know, it took me years to realize that, oh, you know, Highway to Hell is kind of like the opposite of Stairway to Heaven. You ever notice that? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, never, <laughs> I never made that comparison, but yeah, you're, you're totally right. Yeah, later on, I thought of that. Like many uh, decades later, I was like, yeah, I see what they're doing here. <laughs> you know, the exact opposite. There's Stairway to Heaven, there's Highway to Hell. Totally. Um, but it's great. I mean, uh, and again, Phil Rudd said it. I believe it was behind the music. This is a song about, you know, if you were in ACDC, you'd totally understand what the song's about because it was their life on the road. Right. And again, Highway to Hell, like I was saying earlier about the way Bond would talk about hell. You know, he's like, hey, mama, look at me. Um, you know, it's like he's celebrating, you know, hell is great, you know. You know, hey, yeah, Satan, which, you know. Which actually is, you know, if you think about it, it's even more evil then saying, boo-hoo-hoo, I'm going to get you. I'm yeah. going to look out. It's just like enticing people to go to the dark side. You know? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Satan, look at me playing in a rock and roll band, you know? Yeah. Paid my dues, you know? It's like so cool. You know, I just love his friend. Yeah, it's evil, but it's 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 like enticing where, you know, uh, you're going to burn in hell with hell's bells. Isn't that enticing? You know, Will... <laughs> I don't know if you know this about me, but I did a stand-up routine one time. Okay. And I, I well, can see that. I can see that. <laughs> I actually did. I, 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 I uh, told people, come out because it's going to be my first and last time ever doing stand-up. And one of my little routines, I talked about the album cover of Hella Waits from Slayer. I love that album cover. Yeah, 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 I too. And I said, you know, today I was listening to Hella Waits, and I'm looking at the album cover with people getting their entrails pulled out. And, uh, you know, a pole through a guy's eye. And I'm like, uh, this ain't really this enticing. I- I'd rather be on a cloud with hot chicks feeding me grapes. 
<laughs> that was one of my skits. <laughs> where, where Bond wouldn't sing like that. Bond's like, dude, come the hell. This shit's fucking a party. You know? Totally. Totally. It's awesome. And I don't know if you noticed this about the next track. Girls Got Rhythm. Have you noticed that this song is only one riff? I guess so. I mean, I never really thought about it, but... Yeah, I guess you're right. It is. The whole song is one riff. But it doesn't sound repetitious, does it? Not at all. And look, I mean, what's it been? 40 years since you've been listening to this? Totally. You know, and you never noticed because it's so brilliant, you know? But if you listen to that song, the chain, the riff does not change for three minutes and twenty four seconds. Another song that uh, we've never played. That's another song that Zetro is like, no, nope, you played out. Too many people have heard it. I don't want to play it. Like, and I, I, I would love to play both those songs. You know, they're they're great. Yeah, I'm sure if you had played it, you would have noticed that one riff. You would have been Probably. behind the drums going, wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it's great. It's awesome. Uh, the next one's so heavy. Uh, what do you think of, I mean, those pounding drums in the beginning of Walk All Over You? Dude, uh, they're, 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 they're awesome. I mean, it's, it's definitely out of, uh, out of character for Phil Rudd. You, know, you don't really think of him as a power drummer, but he's totally like, yeah, slamming it at the beginning. And I remember once at an ACDC rehearsal, I had a few drinks before practice, which I don't normally do. I don't, I don't, I don't like playing drums intoxicated. It's just not fun. But, do you get uh, winded when you do that? What's that? Do you get winded if you're drinking and playing drums? I don't get winded. I just play like shit. Okay. Because <laughs> I get winded when I used to get winded, you know, just walking drunk. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it just throws my meter off and I just get sloppy. So right. I showed up to practice, you know, a little buzzed, or a lot buzzed, and we, ha- we were trying out this new guitarist, and um, uh, who totally did not fit the bill. This guy was a complete shredder, like just a, a, just doing sweeps and stuff. And, oh yeah, that don't and, work. Yeah, he wasn't trying to incorporate that into ACDC, but he just—he was very analytical. He there was—he didn't have a rock and roll bone in his fucking body. And I could tell right when I looked at him when I walked in the room. I'm like, this is not the right guy. Like, he's just like he's like he's like a, a fucking dream theater type of playing guy. Like you mentioned, dream theater earlier. He's totally that school of playing, which is you know great and all, but it just doesn't fit with ACDC. Anyways, we uh, we, we we the first song we played at practice was "Walk All Over You." And like I said, I was you know a little drunk, so you know we we start the song off and. I didn't play the the fills in the beginning exactly how they were on the album, uh-huh. and it completely threw this guy into <laughs> like a, a like a brain freeze. He, <laughs> he he started holding his head. And he goes, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "What, <laughs> what the fuck is your problem?" And he goes, "Dude, that's not how the drum drum beats go." I go, "Dude, I know that, man. I'm fucking drunk. Just let's go to the song. I want to see you. We're not here to see if I can play it. We're here to see if you can play it." <laughs> yeah, you're auditioning, <laughs> asshole. <laughs> and, you know, uh, he he didn't he didn't make the gig. <laughs> yeah, obviously, you're gonna be bitching when you're auditioning. <laughs> totally, but he was right. I did play it. I did did play it wrong. And ever since that day, 
I've made sure I've made it like a, a, a mental note to just make sure I play those films in the beginning exactly how they are in the album, which I do now. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, wow. it's a funny little side story. But yeah, I love I love the drumming, and the, the just the song is like pummeling, man. I, I it's it's fast and it's not fast. It's a weird has a weird flow to the song, where it's not a slow song, but it it just creeps along. To, it's not exactly fast either. It's just right in between. I like the flow of it. Really, really yeah. cool. Man, my favorite line is "You're looking so good under, under me. me." Hell yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, it's just uh, beyond classic. I mean, this side one to this album is just perfection. Oh yeah. Uh, and then, uh, what's the next track? Uh, Touch my much? my all time favorite ACDC song. Uh, uh, killer. Touch too much is my favorite. I mean, I've always always like worshipped this song, and it's different. Uh, you know that beginning riff, you know, and. Just the, the lines, how perfect. It's one of those nights when you turn off the lights. You know, just and the everything way, comes into view. Yeah. yeah. You know, she was taking her time. I was losing in that one line, like, uh, you know, Venus with arms and shit yeah. like that, you know? Yeah. Just so fucking perfect, you know? What the fuck is shithouse about that, you know? <laughs> and on this song, uh, you can hear Mutt Lang's influence, like, like this album is definitely more refined than, than the first four. Like they're just doing little tricks, like studio yeah. tricks, and, and like on this song, there's like accents where they go to like tight, tight accents. Yeah, and um, you know they didn't really do that too much on previous albums, so that that was a new trick they learned. I also read that uh, Mutt Lang, when he uh, decided to work with ACDC, the first thing he told them uh, in regards to songwriting was they had to learn how to end songs. <laughs> I, I can totally see that because yeah. you know almost every song on the first four albums ends. Yeah. And it's ringing on, and you know, yeah. So, like, yeah, he told them you guys have to start writing writing songs with it with a uh, actual conclusion, you know, or like an ending. So you can hear that on this album. The songs do end. You know, they have yeah. an ending piece. Yeah, there's. I don't think there's any fade outs either in this album. Right. It, it all has an ending. Right. As much as. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, but yeah, touch too much, dude. I mean, uh, what can I say? I mean, the song, every single thing, about, every component of the song is like hook after hook after hook, you know? Yeah. And it's just, to me, it's perfect. And I just, I just, it's one of, you know, not only my favorite DC song, but one of my favorite songs, period, of all time. You know, I just, I, I absolutely love it, you know. You know, my I have a cover band with my, my two older brothers called My Three Sons, and we just, you know, we do seven. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My and Three we, Sons. We, we do, like, you know, 70s rock predominantly, like ACDC and Kiss and Aerosmith. And we, we used to do this song, and whenever we play it live, like, my brother would try to sing it, and he wouldn't be able he couldn't he wouldn't be able to talk for like a week after we whenever we'd play wow. the song he would completely blow his voice out so we don't play the song anymore but uh, <laughs> i mean he he does hit some pretty high notes and like it's the whole the whole register vocal register of that song is really high up there man it's not an easy song to sing oh i can imagine yeah you know um you know what'd be cool though uh when you guys play a gig like before you go on stage you play the theme
people have said that, man. So many yeah. people have said that. <laughs> That'd be so, super cool. And I got to tell you, speaking of that, um, we played a club in Puerto Rico called Hell's Bells. Oh, and wow. Yeah, and uh, I told the band, we got to play Hell's Bells tonight. And we didn't know it. So on, in the hotel room, no amplifiers or nothing, we learned it. And, dude, I blew out my voice on that one. I mean, yeah, Brian Johnson even takes it even to another level. Yeah. On those first couple of ACDC albums he did. Absolutely. I, it totally fucked up my voice. And, dude, the promoter was the coolest guy on the planet. I remember one, uh, I went back to talk to him, and he's sitting on his chair with this girl giving him head. He's like, hey, what's up? Like, <laughs> nothing was going on. That guy was like the Fonz. I just thought he was the coolest guy on the planet. And the next day he called us, and he goes, hey, man, would you guys play free tonight at Hell's Bells? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Damn. Dude, I went up on stage and it was the most embarrassing show I ever played in my life. Like, the whole <laughs> show, I was like, ah. it was just, dude. Even my guitar player was like, dude, I was feeling so bad for you. I was like, well, I guess we ain't playing a gig for a while, man. You know? Because well, uh, the, the crowd got what they paid for. Yeah, it was a free Yeah, show. it was free. <laughs> so, yeah, fuck it, you know? And, uh, and, and the guy that drove us around, you know, that show was such a free for all that the guy that drove us around, he goes, you know, he, he comes up on stage and he goes, Hey man, can I get my guitar, man? And we play uh, United forces from SOD. And I was like, Whoa, that's random. Yeah. And I was like, sure. <laughs> we didn't know it either, but bam, since we know that album so well, yeah, uh, we ended up playing that. But anyway. Um, but uh, you know how you're saying that uh, trying to sing Hell's Bells blew out your voice? Yeah. Well, guess what? Brian what? Johnson could probably say the same thing, too. <laughs> yeah. That's probably why, you know, that 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 he can't sing, you know, as good as because he by because, you know, that's a staple, you know. Totally. And Back in Black, it sounds very fucking strenuous to do as well. That song, you know. Oh, yeah. But um, yeah. But yeah, it's. It, so yeah, touch too much. Bon and Brian. I mean, what they do is very taxing on the voice. Uh huh. You know, and not to be taken for granted. That's why, dude. I tell you, go punch up Hell's Bells with Axel. It's amazing. Okay. You know, the guy does it. You know, he did it many nights in a row, and he every fucking note he hit. You know, it's just unbelievable. But and I remember Axel saying it was back in black Hell's Bells. And I think he said riff raff were really hard, you know, for him to, right. no, no, I think it was Thunderstruck was really, really hard for, I hate that song, dude. Oh, thank you. Oh my God. <laughs> I can't, that to me is the worst ACDC album period to me. I don't know how you feel, but I don't, I don't think, I'm not a fan of uh, Razor's Edge, but I think Blow Up Your Video is maybe a little worse. Wow. I like that one. I mean, chock full of fillers, but at least there's three tracks I like on there, you know? Um, name them. Name, name the three tracks you like. Uh, this is war. Yeah, I like. I love that song. 
I liked um, Nick of Time. That song's pretty cool. Very, very unusual. And uh, I didn't mind the two singles, uh, Heat Seeker and That's the Way I Want My Rock and Roll. I like That's the Way I Want My Rock and Roll. I didn't like Heat Seeker, man. I couldn't get into uh, it. Yeah, I thought it was okay. But, I mean, but there's nothing. I mean, Fire Your Guns is the only one I like off Razor's Edge. Yeah, it's Razor's Edge of Puzzlement because it was such a huge comeback. Yeah, album. yeah. And it was a huge selling album. I, I think it sold like six million copies or something. Like really good, you know, did really good on on the charts. And I hated it when it came out, man. I didn't, I didn't like it at all. I didn't like Chris Slade on drums. I was like, man, get this fucking guy off the stage, man. <laughs> you know, it's like he he had too much personality up there. It's like, dude, no one wants to see ACDC with a drummer who's trying to be a showman. All right, get right. the fuck out of there. Simon Wright did a did a good job. You know, he just. He just did his job, but I, I remember the videos for Thunderstruck and uh, Money Talks. It, they were showing Chris Slade like a lot, and he's like making these faces to the camera and hamming it up. It's like, dude, this is not your fucking band. Yeah, man. know know your place, Baldy. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Only Angus, and you know, to a lesser extent, the singer. Yeah, you know? exactly. Should should you know because. I thought Malcolm and Cliff were super cool standing back there and walking up to the microphone and do their back and vocal and then walking back to the amps. They I just great. always thought that was so cool. Yeah, man. Uh, and uh, But, man, as much as I despise Thunderstruck, I, I hate Money Talks even more. I hate that song even more, oh, too. Yeah. And they would play it to death on Headbangers Ball. I was like, no, not this one again. It was also yeah. on the... True Lies soundtrack, or it was on Arnold Schwarzenegger soundtrack, maybe for Last Action Hero. Right. No, no. Actually, actually, Last Action Hero had a song I liked, uh, "Big Guns." You oh, remember that? I one? hate that song too, oh, dude. I like oh. that song a lot, actually. <laughs> oh no, man! That what a weak ass riff. If someone <laughs> showed, if someone showed me that riff at a practice space, I'd walk out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I really think that song, dude. I, I was like relieved after Razor Day. I was like, all right, that's a good tune. <laughs> bam, 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 bam. <laughs> that's exactly what I don't like. That riff. Yeah. yeah I, well, I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah. That's on that riff ain't that great, but I like the song. I just uh, as a whole, I thought it was a good song. I, I, I dug it. But the only good thing about the song "Money Talks" was the fact that they rained money on the crowd at the show. Yeah, that, that was I, a really cool, cool feature. I felt like I was in the, I felt like I was on the inner sleeve of Kiss Alive too. Like everyone was going crazy trying to grab the money, and, you know, just the confetti or whatever. So that I was have a good it. tour. I have it. I have a couple of those dollars. So do I. Has yeah, Angus I, on it? Yep. Yep. Yeah, I caught a couple of them, um, but and it was a good show. I mean, but oh still, yeah, ACDC always was good. No matter you know, I didn't like stiff upper lip either. But what a great show that was. Yeah, I went to that tour. Totally, totally awesome. Yeah. Um, wait, so you, your first show was... Uh, was For those Rose about Dr. to rock. rock. Yeah. Yeah, my, mine was uh, was Who Made Who. And that was a cool tour because they weren't touring for a new album, per se. So they just they did a lot of old tracks. It was like this, uh, you know, a deep track tour a little bit. Maybe not so deep tracks, but a lot of Bon Scott era stuff that they played on that tour. Because they were touring for a great assist, essentially. Um, and it didn't come I, down here. Oh, you didn't see Who Made Who? That's the only tour I didn't see because they didn't come to South Florida. 
Oh yeah, they they opened up with the song "Who Made Who," and there was like thirty Angus Youngs on stage, like the video. Oh wow! Yeah, that was pretty cool. But the thing I remember most about that show, real quick, is uh, the opening band was Queensrÿche on the Rage for Order tour. Wow! And you know, at the time, I was not a Queensrÿche fan, and I was just so excited to see ACDC that I, I wasn't paying that much attention to them. But there was other things happening, so. Queensryche had these blinding, I mean, fucking blinding, like, floodlights on stage. And every time Jeff Tate would point to the crowd or say, you sing, or how you doing, the lights would turn on. And, <laughs> and not just me, dude. Everyone in at the Cow Palace was turning around or covering their eyes because it was so bright. You know, like, damn. damn. Very, very, very interesting tactic to, to blind your crowd. But the thing I remember more about it was, there was this little fucking cokehead, burnout fucking stoner high school dropout guy, like right next to me and my brother during Queensryche. And he was doing key bumps the, the whole set. <laughs> and I, I had never seen anyone do, do drugs before outside of smoking pot. So I was like, whoa, that guy's snorting something. And I was like, he's doing coke. And I was like, Oh, wow, he's doing coke. And he got really keyed up during, like, Queensryche. And for, like, he was doing coke for the first song was Queen of the Reich. And he was he was doing key bumps. And for the next six songs, all, like, every five seconds, he'd scream, Fuck you! Fuck you! I mean, over <laughs> and over again, dude. I mean, he, he didn't give me a chance to enjoy Queensryche, even if I was trying to, which I wasn't. But but even if I really wanted, to, it's a good thing I wasn't a Queensrÿche fan because I was you know I was only like eleven years old at that show or whatever. I was young, but I would have probably picked a fight with them. Like, hey, dude, shut the fuck up, man. I like I like Queensrÿche, but, uh, but yeah, that's my uh, who made who story. But now <laughs> I want to say, Rage for Order is one of my favorite fucking albums. Fuck uh, yeah, uh, it's my favorite Queensrÿche album, and I, I just think it's such a unique, special album. Nothing has ever sounded like it before or after, man. What a what a bizarre, great album. Yeah, if you search YouTube on my channel, I did a episode on Rage for Order, and that was the week that it eclipsed the warning. The warning was my favorite, but in that episode, I, I talk about this is now my favorite Queensryche album. Dude, I and love it, man. I was into Queensryche first time I heard the EP. I loved it. I loved the warning, even though the warning was really weird from the EP. And I loved Rage for Order. And this is really sad. I never got to see Cliff Burton, ever. Okay. Uh, Metallica never came down here. And they were touring with Ozzy at the time. Yeah, yeah. About Ultimate, Ultimate Sin. Sin. Yeah, but when it came to Florida, it was Queens right Rage for Order. So, I, I, I mean... Honestly, I was excited to see Queensryche, but I was more bummed that it wasn't Metallica. I was like, fuck it, I finally get to see Queensryche. And no, they didn't have no floodlights. Maybe that was before the Aussie tour where they figured out, we should stop with the floodlights, you know? Hey, dude, it was unbelievable, man. And they opened with New Regal, not Queen of the Reich. Uh, the, uh. the second track on the, uh, uh, the first track on the second side. Yeah, great song. Yeah, yeah, no, fantastic album. London, it's just great. It's, Dude, I just that, that, that might be my favorite song on the album. London. Yeah, 
I even love the single "Gonna Get Close to You." Love it. That song's creepy as hell, man. A lot of people, a lot of people goof on that. I was like, I love that. I know. So weird. It's a cover. Totally. And there's a video for it. The, I the, love the video too, man. But, He's a vampire. No, yeah, but there's a video for the original band that did it. Oh, whoa! I didn't know that. And Queensrÿche redid it. It's like a, uh, a remake of the, their video. So, really? So, so yeah. the original video has like a vampire theme to it too, or whatever? Or? It was. Uh, yeah, I I gotta see it again. I remember it had like the shades and the the creepy house, dark and yeah. I bl- I believe it was a female singer. I could be wrong. Okay. That that sang that was a singer of that band. I can't even remember the name of the band. But yeah, not only did Queensrÿche, you know, cover the song, they covered the video. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. You know, and I didn't know for many years that you know that was a cover, but I love it. I, and a lot of people are like, that's the only song I don't like on it. The one, the song I don't like on the, there's a song I don't like. Is the one that I can't remember the name where it goes. If we come together, we can. Oh, yeah. That's all the only song. That one to me is throwaway, but the rest I love. Yeah. Yeah. But all right. So uh, next is Beating Around the Bush. I love this one, is ripping. What do you think of this one? That I think that's the first ACDC song that I, I gravitated to. My sister brought home uh, Highway to Hell. Like that song made me hyper. I, I just remember just jumping <laughs> around and just just be, being uh, fucking maniac, acting like, acting like a maniac. You know, like it just it filled me full of full of life. I I, I love it, man. It's super jumpy track and uh, great lyrics. I mean, double total double entendres going on and uh, yeah, double meanings and uh, I I love it, man. Great. Yeah, the, the the that fast riffage and Bond coming in between the riffs. Yep. And the drumming is fast. Call and reply. Yeah, yeah. But this one, I guess they had their way with uh, Mutt because I think it did. Doesn't this end like an like old ACDC songs with a? It does. You know? <laughs> it does. And I guess Mutt was like, "All right, we're gonna end side one with it." Okay, do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I do love it. I think it's probably the most ripping tune on this album. Yeah, for um, sure. But then we uh, side two starts with the classic. Shot down in flames, which I um, I model my life after this song because a weird thing about me, Will, is that I actually love getting shot down by hot chicks, <laughs> but not in not not in front of friends. I like doing it alone. <clears throat> and I found out in life that if I do it to twenty hot chicks, I end up with one of them. So it's worth it. the nineteen shot downs are worth it. <laughs> Hey, you know who you sound like? You sound like uh, Zimone from uh, from uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. There's a uh, scene where you know he's telling Rat like you got you got to hit on every girl you see, and then, and then yeah, Rat's like, well, if you hit on every girl you see, eventually you're gonna nail. And he's like, that's the point. You know? Yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe sub subliminally because I've seen that movie many times. I've never I don't even remember that scene, but maybe subliminally that was that and this song, you know. Yeah. Because uh, believe me, when when a girl shoots me down, it doesn't hurt at all for me. It's weird. Now I would never do it in front of Frank because that's embarrassing. <laughs> you know? But it's true, man. I, I I I average about one every twenty shutdowns. You know, and I'm like, and and the one out of the twenty are like, shit. This guy, he's way below my league. But man, look at the balls on this guy. I like him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> and they end up dumping me. I'm like, oh, whatever. I got you. <laughs> totally. But it's I have a great... the pictures to prove it. <laughs> exactly. Well, well, in my case, video. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, this song, it's catchy. I love it. She told me to go to hell. Shot down in fl- Ain't it a shame? What a great, great song. And I love when they play this on the Let There Be Rock movie. Yeah. And it's just, I think this is the part where uh, Bond, like, like, squats down in his pants rip. <laughs> you remember that part in that yep. movie? Yep, yep. <laughs> and he's always, he covers his eyes like, oh, shit. Uh, but <laughs> I, I love, love, love Shot Down in Flames. It's like, uh, oh, I mean, it's just one of my favorite. I don't know. Well, my favorite, obviously, is Touch Too Much. But maybe, nah, Beating Around the Bush, I like even more than Shot Down in Flames. But I love Shot Down in Flames. What do you think? Me too, man. It's just a great rocking tune. Uh, my brothers and I play that song uh, almost all the time. Like every time we play, uh, fun song to play, and the lyrics are funny, man. Like he's trying to hit on a chick uh, over over by the jukebox, and yeah, and then another woman comes up, comes up and says, "Hey, buddy, she's with me." <laughs> like, yeah. Whoa, you know, like back then that was kind of shocking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's fucking brilliant, man. Totally. Yeah, I, I love it. The next song, I'll be honest with you, I didn't like. I love it now. But Get It Hot was, and I saw them play this. Um, I think it was the Ball Breaker Tour, or maybe Stiff Upper Lip. They actually threw this out, which I don't think they ever really? played. Yeah, dude, they played. I saw them play this. Get It Hot. I saw them play it. It was either Stiff Upper Lip or, or uh, Ball Breaker, one of the two. It definitely wasn't Ball Breaker. I, you know, I don't think I did see the Stiff Upper Lip tour, so maybe it was on the Stiff Upper Lip. Well, maybe I they didn't. I wouldn't remember that because this is my, this isn't my favorite song on the album, but it, it's one of my favorites. I fucking love this song, dude. I didn't get it at first, actually. To tell you the truth, I thought it was like a. I didn't hate it, but I was like, ah, it's a filler. But now it's like, God, it's so catchy and killer. Dude, the lyrics, man. When he says nobody's playing Manolo. Nobody's playing soul. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's like a call to arms, man. Like yeah. speaking my language, dude. Like, <laughs> oh man, I love it, dude. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it, it is definitely uh, a song that uh, grew on me because uh, I do love it. And but I mean, even to sound even more bizarre, I felt the same way about if you want blood, you got it, and I love it now. But That's I weird. Didn't, yeah, I didn't get it back then. I again. I can't say I hated it, but, you know, I was like, eh, you know, get it hot if you want blood. Even, you know, next one we'll get into it. I was like, eh, whatever, you know, but I grew to love if you want blood. It's awesome. And I love it because of the tradition of um, Led Zeppelin with Houses of the Holy, which ended up on physical graffiti. And uh, what was it? On Through the Night from Def Leppard's on High and Dry. Yeah, yeah. So here we have a song that's, a title of the live album, but put on here. And it's a great title too. If you want blood, you got it. Totally. And it rips, it rips. And this is one of the songs they did with Axel too. And it was great, great to witness that shit. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's arguably the heaviest song on the album. Or, I mean, I, I think I, I love it. I remember once I was DJing, I, I DJ at bars sometimes at rock bars in the Bay area or mm-hmm. at shows. Sometimes I'll DJ. And I remember I was co-DJing with a friend at, at this local rock bar, and uh, he finished his set, 
and he was playing a bunch of death metal or thrash metal. Or, and I was going to start my set with If You Want Blood. And he goes, dude, you can't start your set with that song, man. It's not heavy <laughs> enough. And I was like, you know what? Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> Crazy. This shit's really heavy. <laughs> so I love the track, man. I like how the lyrics are a little bit on the, the vicious side of things. And uh, he's just telling it like it is, man. It's killer. And what's really cool is the video reenacts the album cover yep. of If You Want Blood. Yeah. Where they impale Angus. You know, totally. that shit's so cool. Yeah. And I, I, lo- I, didn't, I never saw that until like maybe a couple years ago. Like, I didn't even know that existed. Yeah. That, they shot a lot of videos for this album uh, Highway to Hell, Walk All Over You, Touch Too Much, Shot yep. Down in Flames, and If You Want Blood all have videos. And it's all for the for the same set, right? Like yeah, it's, yeah. Yep, they're all standing on the same stage, and you know they did the same thing with Back in Black, the yep. same exact thing. Yeah. Uh, though it had like that Saturday Night Fever uh, floor that lit up, you know, like Saturday Night Fever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The disco floor. Yeah, the disco floor. But I love it. I I do love if you want blood. I didn't get it before. Now my least favorite is the next one. Uh, love Hungry Man, but you know what I love? I mean, not only, obviously, the bass, but what I love about the song is that little section where it goes, dan and dan and dan It's just that part, you know what I'm totally. talking about? Totally. You know? Uh, it is my least favorite on here, but I do like this song a lot, actually. It's it's my favorite song on the album. Really? Yeah, man. Wow. Yeah, dude. Uh, I, I, I watched your... Um, uh, Highway Hell, Highway to Hell versus Van Halen Two uh, mm-hmm. uh, podcast, and, and I I remember you saying this is your least favorite song on the album. And I was like, oh, I can't <laughs> wait to talk to him about that. <laughs> yeah, so I guess Woman in Love won because I'm already thinking the <laughs> second to last track is Woman in Love on yep. Van Halen Two. And so. it's funny. I agree with you. I think I'd rather hear Women Woman in Love. But for, yeah, just for, for Highway to Hell, uh, that's my favorite song on the album. Um, uh, it has a sinister, sinister vibe to it, and it's a perfect lead-in to, to Night Prowler. Right. And um, I, I love the solo break and the, 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 the fucking rhythm going behind the solo. I, it kind of takes a little t- twist and turn there. And uh, I, I, yeah, just nothing, nothing about the song is, is, is perfect. It's just perfect. I love it. I love it. In my video, did I say my least favorite, but I love this song? Did I even yes. say that? Okay, you good. Did. You did. You did. <laughs> good, because uh, I do love the song. It's just I like all the other ones more. But I love that. That section to me is so cool. Yeah. You know? And, and the that's bass. the song ends, too. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. It's awesome. The song has a major crescendo at the end. Like, he starts singing at the highest register he's singing in his life, man. Yeah, and, and and he's matching what Angus is doing at the end, and yeah, the song just gets it starts off kind of like a quiet, moody song, a brooding type of track, and it ends at full volume with him screaming it. Like, it's just what a what a climax, man, and it's a perfect segue into Night Prowler. Love hungry man. Yeah, now, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. That is true. I didn't think of that. That is like the highest Bond ever sang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure that would kill my voice. <laughs> Anybody's Dude. voice. Yeah, have you ever played this? No, no, yeah. man. I every time I I bring it up, like it's vetoed instantly because they think it's like a 
they'll, they'll put the crowd to sleep kind of track. And I'm like, uh, oh, man. Dude, if you want to get deep, I don't think you can get deeper than Love Hungry Man. Yeah, totally, man. You know? It's awesome. Now, the next one, look, I love Malcolm Young, like I was telling you before. And I don't do not want to dis- disrespect the man. But this is a song that was about the, you know, later on, it became newsworthy because of the Night Stalker. Oh, yeah, I remember the Night Stalker. And I love you, Malcolm, and don't, uh, I'm sorry, but I don't believe you when he said, this is a song into peeking into chicks' windows. Um, the lyrics really sound like a serial killer to me. I don't know, man. Totally, man. It's definitely, and, yeah. And, uh... When the, the when the Night Stalker was on his rampage, and then he left behind an ACDC hat at one of the murder yeah. scenes, so they you know they they put two and two together like, hey, he likes ACDC. Hey, ACDC has a song called Nightcrawler. Yeah. But um, and like you know, ACDC like I've, I've seen Brian Johnson and Angus both say in interviews at the time, like from '84 or whenever like the killings were happening. I think it was '84. Mm-hmm. They were saying how like, appalled they were. By uh, the fact that they were being uh, latched on to this maniac, and you know the song does, doesn't encourage people to kill, and they they don't want to have anything to do with this. And what do they do on that tour? Because that was during Flying on the Wall era. They played Night Prowler on that tour. I'm pretty Whoa, sure. Whoa! Wow! I never I never knew they played this live. I think they played it on that tour. I mean, if someone knows this for a fact, and I'm wrong, I apologize and. Strike me down, but I don't, I think they played the uh, Night Prowler on this tour, and that's not a coincidence. If they did play it on that tour, it's that's not a coincidence, dude. They're totally no, of course it's not. On the, on the fucking popularity of that song, all of a sudden. You know who did the same thing, and I have a soundboard recording of it. Judas Priest played "Better by You, Better Than Me" after the after they won the case. Yep, I knew that. Yeah, Foundation Forum. I think it was the only time they played it. I mean, yep. they might have played it back in the day, but I'm saying. After, I was like, oh, you're playing this now? Yeah. You know, like, totally. I wonder why, you know? <laughs> but, yeah, uh, this song, uh, I, I, this is a song that I've always loved. I never had a problem with Night Crow, you know? Totally. I had a problem with the three uh, before it, which I don't know long. I love them all now. But Night Prowler was, like, was such a great ending, but so sad, too. This is la- Bond's last song, and, and he ends it with, you know, Mork and Mindy, yeah. Which, which I love, too. But it is sinister. I think this is the most evil, like, Bond's ever, you know, lyric-wise. It's, you know, basically, I, I he mentions a knife, I think, yep. in the song. You know, yep. you know, going around killing people, you know? And it's very out of character of Bond, you know? He never wrote songs about killing people. Yeah. Uh, but it's... And every time I look at the back album cover of this, it reminds me of the song. You look at the back album cover with the fog and Angus yelling up. Totally. I think of Night Prowler. I look at that image and I'm like, that's total Night Prowler, you know? Yeah, the, you like- the, the back cover used to scare me because it looks like they're standing in hell, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, like, I, I love the song. It's the perfect ending to the album. It ends on a sinister note, which I always like. Um, but I, I just want to talk about the Night Stalker real quick. So okay. when, he, when he was on his killing spree i would you know he he was in my my neighborhood in my area oh shit for a while like he started in northern california then went down to la and then ended up uh in south san francisco and i i, I, I grew up in daily city which is 
the first city right outside of San Francisco. And then the next city south is South San Francisco. So uh, on the news, when, when there was like sightings of his van and he was in the area, they were like warning everyone to stay indoors. And, you know, and like, I think there was even like a, a, a city curfew and, you know, just lock your doors and be mindful of your kids. And I remember me and a couple of local neighborhood hoodlums, we all wanted to get the Night Stalker. We wanted to find him. You know? <laughs> so we, we gathered like all the weapons we could find, which, you know, I, I had a meat tenderizer. <laughs> oh, man. Brutal. And it's like someone had a, like a wrench. And we had whatever we could find in our in our, our respective homes. And uh, we all got on our skateboards and bicycles. And we just went on a, a patrol that night, like, like at 9 o'clock at night. We just went around Daly City looking for a blue van or whatever the fuck the color of the van was. And we didn't even, like, plan out what we were going to do if we actually did stumble upon the Night Stalker. <laughs> you know, this, this crazed maniac who's already killed 14 people. Like, we, we didn't think that far ahead. So it's a good thing we didn't find him. <laughs> oh, that's why. And, and what's wild about that is that the people that did find him weren't out there looking for him. And they beat the shit out of him, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What was it? Did he like attack somebody in a car and people he was trying to carjack someone before carjacking was even a thing, man? He 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 was on to something. <laughs> oh wow! And he carved a pentagram in his hand, like hail Satan in court. Yeah, he's still alive, right? Richard uh, Ramirez. I'm not I... sure. I think so. I think okay. He... I I know he he has like a he got married in in prison and he has yeah. a cult following. Like there's all kinds of people. I follow him and shit. Yeah, a lot of a lot of serial killers get these chicks that love them. Yeah, Ed Bundy had it, and man, those chicks are weird. <laughs> you, you know, know the, only, the only serial killer that I know of, I never heard of a woman approaching him in prison was Jeffrey Dahmer. So he's like, oh yeah, he's like he, even for <laughs> even for serial killer standards, he's like the worst. You know, like yeah. dude, I mean, I may I may kill people, but I ain't like Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah, it's like, it's like, well, I'm, these crazy chicks are like, I'm not really into cannibals. You know? yeah. <laughs> he actually ate people, you know, and 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 he didn't like chicks, as I recall. I mean, was he? No, he he was. Yeah, he was. He wasn't into he, that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that guy. Well, you know, I mean, he died. He died the way he wanted to die. You know, he got a broom up his ass. You know, yep. like, something like that. I mean, he got the shit beat out of him. Literally, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dude, there's this, there's this club. I mean, we're getting off on a topic here, but I'll make, I'll keep it short. There's a club in uh, Milwaukee called the Rave, and uh, that's where they used to have the Milwaukee Metal Fest. Ah, okay. And uh, it's an old YMCA building, and it's the YMCA he used to be a, a member of and hang out in and, and like scope people out. I don't think he ever killed anybody in that building, but. There, he would take him to the hotel across the street, which still stands to this day, and that he did some of his killings at that hotel. But uh, he, yeah, he would scope people out at this YMCA, and so the dressing rooms for this club are in the basement where the fucking Olympic Olympic sized swimming pool is, and it's empty now. It's an emptied out pool, and why why they put the dressing rooms down in the creepiest, darkest part of this building is beyond me. But they're yeah they're down there in the, in the bowels of this creepy building, and they take you on tours of like all the dark hallways and crazy graffiti everywhere. And 
they tell you Jeffrey Dahmer stories when you're there. So it's a pretty spooky vibe at that club. Wow, uh, maybe maybe there's a connection. It's like, hey, let's have the festival here where Jeffrey Dahmer was. Yeah, I'm sure, dude. I'm sure. Wow, that that's pretty bizarre. <laughs> yeah. But, well, uh, yeah, going back to Night Stalker, great ending to a great album. Yeah, well, that's what they titled. It was Night Prowler, but they titled Night him. Prowler, yeah. They titled him the Night Stalker, but yeah, yeah. Over, they should have titled the Night Prowler. I agree. <laughs> they never get it right, man. They never get it right. Fucking media. <laughs> Idiots. Well, technically, we're done. But there is one more thing uh, that I was talking about. The the vaults has a few tracks. Do you have the vaults that uh, were, were I've, not I've heard it. I've heard it. It has like dirt, dirty eyes on. Dirty it. eyes. Her whole, which was a whole lot of Rosie, which I like. I like that version. Though I like a whole lot of Rosie more. But really? but touch too much. I did not like at all. You remember oh. that one? Really weird, man. Weird arrangement. Other lyrics and different music. It's just, it's nothing like Touch Too Much at all. But Backstreet Confidential is pretty cool. That's uh, Beating Around the Bush. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. I love totally. it. That may be my favorite on here. And totally. uh, if you want blood, it's got the first recording of the track. It's and it's really one. slow. Yeah. Really slow. Yeah. And Get It Hot is yep. also on there. But the rest is like live stuff. And they threw in... Um, uh, oh no, they didn't throw in anything like the live version of She's Got Balls, School Days, yeah, which I it was not too crazy about that one. Uh, I think that's the one, School Days, that has the video of uh, Malcolm. I gotta revisit that backtrack thing. It's you know, it's just it pisses me off. This is, I mean, I, I'm gonna sound like a little bitch talking about this, but box sets piss me off because of opening it and taking shit out. It's always like a fucking hassle, you know, uh, when you own boxes. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I actually, I mean, it, it, they're a hassle to, to go and revisit them. Yeah, I agree. Like, if you want to find a, a, a certain track that's on there, you have to fish through five CDs or ten CDs. Yeah. Totally. But uh, in general, I like box sets. So I, love, I love getting I them. Love I love them. I love when they come out. I'm really well, excited. Like I still buy them. I don't care. But at the totally. same time, it's like, fuck, it's always a mission. Where it's gotten to the point, dude, that, uh, well, backtracks, I can't do it to. But the other box sets, like, you know, uh, my Black Sabbath box set and looking around, my Beatles, my Led Zeppelins. Dude, I've taken those albums out and I put it along with my collection. I keep the box there, but they don't have the vinyls in there. Interesting. Because I'm, I'm tired of doing it. I just stick it in with my collection. Which you know? Black Sabbath box set do you have? I have the greatest Black Sabbath box set that goes for thousands of dollars now. It's called Ten Year War. First Ten Year War. Yeah. I don't know if you heard about this. You oh, I know it? it. I know it. You couldn't buy it in the U.S. Yep. Uh, I know. A, a friend of mine called Emily in England that she she bought it for me. Oh, I sent her the money. She bought it for me and shipped it to me. I how much? If you don't mind me asking, how much was it, or do you know? I believe I paid three fifty for it. Okay, so Mark Osageda, he. Uh, he, he he found it in Europe, and um, he didn't have the cash on him at the time to get it. But he told uh, the store to hold on to it, and uh, he had a friend who lived in Germany, and she picked it up for him. He he paid for it, but he couldn't get it at that moment, and he wouldn't tell me how much he paid for it. So I I I, I figured it so it was a pretty astronomical price. So did did he do it when it was new though? Yes. 
Okay, uh, so yeah. It was relatively good. How old's that box set? Like four or five years? Yeah, it's probably five years by now. Yeah, that was around the time he bought it. And uh, I remember being really jealous. I mean, I have all the album's original pressings on vinyl. But right. that box set comes with the with the tour book and the yeah and the posters and, uh, and singles and with, with all the singles right yeah yeah and and, and, all, and a cross all, all the, it doesn't come with like a, a zip drive shaped like a cross yeah like a cross that says Black Sabbath that has all the albums in there that's so fucking cool man I was so jealous when he got it man I was like yeah, yeah. but he would he told me like. He didn't say it would be out of my price range, but he just said, "Yeah, I don't think you want to want to look at this." It was it was pretty expensive. I, was Dude, like, oh, I think okay. he paid like three fifty to four hundred. Okay, depending. But I got it brand new. I mean, I remember reading it on Blabbermouth, and and then I went to look to it, and it was like not available in the U.S. They wouldn't sell it to me. And, totally. And I knew that chick, you know, this from England, and I. I uh, called her on WhatsApp and I said, "You need to. I'm gonna fucking send you the money." And she did it, man. She fucking sent it. And I don't know how she did it. She because she's very skinny, <laughs> and that shit weighs a lot. I don't know how she got it to the fucking post office. Wow. But um, but yeah, amazing, right? It was fucking. Uh, but yeah, and I love the splatter vinyl. And what's really cool, it sounds amazing. Huh. Um, and I, I'll tell you about Black Sabbath, dude. The fucking 180 grams. From Rhino are amazing. Huh. They, they sound really good. Stay away from NEMS. Those reissues are terrible. I have a I have a bunch of the original uh NEMS really. Yeah, I'm sure those are fine. But they, they, they sound okay, but the covers are, are really fl- flimsy and cheap. It's not like a, a real cardboard stock like normal album covers. They 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 totally skimped on on materials and all the old NEMS albums, they just they're the covers bend really easily and they're just flimsy feeling. So they kind of suck too. Yeah. 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 I may have some NEMS. I'm you know, from back in the day. I think, uh, wasn't live at last on NEMS. Exactly. I have that. Yeah. I bought that on, uh, either circus or cream magazine. Um, I ordered it back in 1980 and it took six months to get to my house. Holy shit. I thought I got ripped off. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you know, I think I remember the ad for that in, in Circus Magazine. Yeah, in the back, in the back. Yeah, right? it, it said something like "Ozzy mesmerizes the crowd" or something. Yeah. I was like, "Oh man, that sounds good." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like it. I just recently saw there's this popular guy on YouTube. This guy was slamming that album relentlessly. I was like, "Dude, I love that album." I don't know, maybe it's a childhood thing, but I just think that album fucking rules. But I'm a I'm a Black Sabbath nut swinger, man. I, I love everything they did back then, you know. Me too. I, I love it too. I think it, the, the sound quality is pretty poor, but the, just the the fire they're, they're playing with fire at that point, you know. And all the performances, Bill Ward's just killer on that album, man. Dude, a Wicked World, man. Yeah, when, when they go into that like uh, Dixieland kind of jam thing, yeah, and, and, uh, yeah, it's great. I love it too, man. I love it. That's like um, my favorite drummer, man. Who oh, what, really? Who's your favorite drummer? Who you? Uh, you know, it's just, I gotta say John Bonham, man. I just have. Oh, to. that's right. Yeah, you told me this already. Yeah, yeah but uh, I mean, Bill I think Ford. Bill Ward is underrated and very creative, and he had a big part oh, yeah. in making Black Sabbath sound unique. But he, he he's a little sloppy. <laughs> uh, I I guess I I'm talking about you know the the albums he did like yeah you know the shit he did on Cornucopia and. Oh, totally. Uh, 
that that middle section of Sweet Leaf. I mean, it's just fucking unbelievably unbelievable, almost, unbelievable drummer. He almost got fired from the band because of uh, Cornucopia. Cornucopia, yeah. He well, not technically almost got fired. He almost quit. Right, because he couldn't figure out a beat. Right? Yeah, and he got pissed. He got pissed, and he left, and then he came back. You know, but he was so frustrated not coming up with it that he wanted to quit the band. Yeah. No, and it's a and, weird, weird beat he didn't come up with. Yeah. Very, very it, unique. Yeah, he does a lot of unorthodox stuff that I love. Like, if you listen to Iron Man, that very popular tune, doesn't it sound like a clunky thing? A clunky thing walking down the street? Like, the way he plays it, it's very clunky. Like, it to me, it reminds me of a guy that can can barely walk right. You know, the, <laughs> yeah, the yeah, way yeah, he's yeah. playing. It's kind of like, you know, I, on purpose, he's playing kind of bad. Because it sounds kind of like you know he's trying to get that vibe of this guy that's made out of iron walking on trying to move. <laughs> totally, totally, man. Hey, I love Bill Ward. And like when I said that he's sloppy, I, I you know he, he's he's good sloppy. You know, like he's yeah. good, good sloppy. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. I mean, but his drumming did deteriorate uh, by yeah uh, by technical ecstasy. You could you can, it was noticeable his drumming wasn't nearly as creative or just as bombastic as earlier uh, albums. You know? I love what he does on Air Dance. You know that song? Oh, fuck yeah, man. When it goes into the... Dun, dun, yeah, the jazzy dun, part. Dun. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome, dude. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. some really cool jazz playing. I, I really love what he does on that tune. I love that song, man. Uh, dude, yeah. that's one of my favorite Black Sabbath. I, I did on my YouTube my top 50 Black Sabbath song. Oh, Air, Air, yeah, I had to go 50. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, Air Dance ended up in my top ten with Junior's Eyes. You wow, know, those, yeah. I like that song too, man. I like the way you, uh, Air Dance ends with a, a sinister, yeah, sinister tone to it. You know, like yeah. the song's not really, it's not really sinister at all like, throughout the song, but then it ends with a, a question mark, kind of like it's very cool, man. Very cool. I, I, man, so many people hate that album. Yeah. I love it. I, I'm not. I hate Breakout though. I don't know if you feel about that, but I hate that fucking song, the instrumental. The, yeah, it's all right. I mean, it's, it's harmless. It's only like two minutes long. I know, but it bothers me. You know, I don't like. I don't like uh, instruments you blow into. <laughs> I just don't. You know, with a saxophone and trumpet. I just. It. I mean, there are exceptions. There's some songs I don't mind a sax or a trumpet, but for the most part, I, I don't like instruments you blow into. Okay. I mean, I'm not a big fan of him either, but yeah, yeah, uh, it doesn't really bother me that much, that song. But, you know, I, I have those last two Ozzy albums. The only song I say I really, really don't like is um, the second song on side one of Technical Ecstasy. I think it's a horrible follow-up song to Bad Sweet Kids. Uh, what's it called? Um, Wait a second. You're not talking about You Can't Change Me. Yeah, I don't like that too. Dude, man. that's my favorite song off that fucking album. <laughs> <laughs> I love that fucking song. That's my favorite. It might have made my top 15. I got oh, wow. to revisit. Yeah, dude. Absolutely <laughs> love it. The one I hate on there is Rock and Roll Doctor and uh, uh, She's Gone. I can't stand those songs. I don't really like She's Gone either. Man, why does everyone bag on Rock and Roll Doctor? I mean, I don't know. It's first... too rock, rock and roll-y for me. Uh, that's just... why I like it. <laughs> yeah, well. It's, it's a, a little change of pace, you know? I saw but, uh, the Born Again tour and they played it. I was like, "Why?" 
Oh, that's right. Well, because look, look I mean, look who they had singing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Mr. Rock and Roll guy. He probably exactly. picked that song. Oh, I'm sure he did. <laughs> but they played Supernault that night, which I was happy about. Ah, uh, yeah, cool, man, cool. That was fucking cool. You know, we've that's... talked about all the Bon Scott albums. <laughs> you know, but we haven't. I just gotta bring up that we haven't mentioned my favorite ACDC album, though. Okay, what? Which one's that? It's not a Bon Scott album. No. Oh, what what is it? For those about to rock, dude. I love that album. That's my favorite ACDC album, man. But I will say something controversial about that. Okay. Which you know, obviously, you're not going to agree. <laughs> I always say. You know what? I respect everybody's opinions, but if you think any album that features Brian Johnson is better than Back in Black, you're full of shit. <laughs> no way, dude. I said, dude, I love, for, dude, Inject the Venom, COD, Evil Snowball, Walks. Evil Walks, but I'm not too crazy about how it ends. It, to me, it kind of like tapers off. No, the last song is, is is kind of not up to to par with the rest of the album. What's the last album called? Snowballed or uh, no? I like that Spellbound. one. That, Spellbound. Yeah, Spellbound is I think the last song. Yeah, I agree. It, it ends on, on a on a limp limp leg. But uh, dude, I mean, I love Let's Get It Up. But my yeah. favorite, my favorite song on the album is probably going to surprise you is uh, Keep Breaking the Rules. See, um, I don't like that one. That. I gotta, oh I got I got to revisit. Dude, that song makes you want to smash a fucking person in the face when I hear it, man. Like, <laughs> like it, it pumps me up. It's weird because it's a slow song, but just the way the way Brian's singing and delivering it, man, it just pumps me up. I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, I'll go back and listen to it, but to me, it kind of equates with "You Can't Change Me." Is uh, your it's that yours, <laughs> yours, you can't change me. Is mine breaking the rules? <laughs> We both perplex each other, don't we? How yes. can you not like that song? You know, uh, you can't change me. You know what song reminds me of that a lot? I think he was trying to recreate the vibe of that song. Uh, Ozzy's song, the second song on Bark at the Moon reminds me of oh, You Can't Change Me. Yeah. Um, oh. It has the same vibe. It kind yeah, of yeah, you're right. And, and I don't, don't like that song either. Yeah, I, I don't hate that song, but I'm not too big on it. And I You're hate, no different than me. That's what yeah. it's called. I hate the the placement on the album, though. What it's a like, horrible uh, follow up to Bark yeah. at the Moon, man! It's like, why the fuck would you put that at the second track? Yeah, you know that, and and yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of that song. I don't really hate it, but I I hate Slow Down. You like that one? <laughs> I think it's really lame, dude. Yeah, good, because that one, uh, dude, it's like the yin yin yin. It's like a nursery it's, rhyme. It's all about the chorus. I mean, because the, the the riff on the verse is okay, and the verses are all right, but when it gets to the chorus, it, yeah, it's terrible, man. It's like Romper Room or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It reminds <laughs> me of Parental Guidance. Yeah, totally, the man. Same totally. kind of like Romper Room fucking vocal melodies, you know? <laughs> yeah, that song always bothered me. And yeah, I've done reviews for those where people attack me. Slow down, rules! Fuck you! <laughs> you know? Okay, so uh, which album do you prefer, uh, Bark at the Moon or Ultimate Sin? I don't like Ultimate Sin. You don't you like, like Ultimate Sin? Dude, I like, and, and yeah, it's going to sound lame for a guy that doesn't like Ultimate Sin that loves Shot in the Dark. I love that song. Yeah. I love Secret Loser. And I love, I love the music to, uh, 
I think Jake rips on the last track on side one. Never. Dude, he rips on that song. Absolutely. But I don't like, don't do I don't like don't the do song, but I like what Jake does on it a lot. But no, dude. Uh, thank God for the bomb. No, sorry. Or I don't like that uh, song either. Or uh, we rock, rock. Or I lightning. love that song, man. Uh, Never know why. Yeah, and, and, and lightning strikes. I like uh, that one too. Oh, man. Killer Giants, I like. Uh, so, so you like Barker the Moon? Obviously, you like Barker the Moon better. Yeah, I do like it. I love Waiting for Darkness. Cool track, cool track. But love. I mean, yeah, this one, yeah, there's too many songs on Barker the Moon that just don't hit it with me. Like So Tired, I don't like So Tired. Yeah, I, I understand when people slam it. I love that song. But, oh, wow. But I do understand. I'll never forget when uh, my friend Eve, that I've known since 1983, who's actually here in Florida, I'm going to go hang out with her this week. Uh, when we saw that we were front row for uh, Bar- Bark of the Moon, Shadow of the Devil tour. And when Ozzy ended, they played So Tired over the loudspeaker. And I'm there singing and she looks at me. She's like, what are you, gay? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, even a girl doesn't like this song. Damn, I may be gay. <laughs> okay, be yeah. honest, man. Did Motley Crue blow away Ozzy? No, but they okay. were great. They were great. They were awesome. You know, that's when Tommy Lee did an actual drum solo without... Oh, I, and they were great, man. I loved his old drum solos. Dude, those drum solos are awesome. It's when he started incorporating the pew, 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 yeah, stupid <laughs> shit and the sample. Yeah. I hated, but he yeah. did a straight-up killer solo. And I thought even the Theater of Pain solo was even better when, uh, when the drums went upwards. And, yeah. And you could see him from, you know... Uh, from, Bird's you know, eye view. Yeah, you can see uh, that was even a better solo, you know. My co well, since you're a drummer, my ex co host on the last thinks he's overrated and he's all fucking uh, flash and that he's actually not a good drummer. That's couldn't be further from the truth. I don't, I, I can't really speak for his drumming these days, right? But, no, I'm saying that to speak. Oh, oh man, the, fir- the first, first three albums, man. Uh, even though I'm not a, a big fan of Theater of Pain, his drumming on it is still top notch. He's still doing double bass, and on on his drum solo, he got pretty fast on the double bass, man. Like, uh, he was ripping on it, man. I I, I wish he would incorporate it more uh, into Motley Crue's music. You know, like with each album, there was less double bass until it got to Girls Those Girls, and there was no more double bass. You know, <laughs> ever again. <laughs> you know, they never wrote another double bass song ever again. But uh, yeah, dude, his solo on um, I have a Motley Crue live King Biscuit Flower Hour from the yeah. Shadow of the Devil tour. Dude, that solo is so ripping. He does a double bass beat with the cowbell, and I've ripped that off so many times. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. I know exactly that part. With the double bass going, yeah, it's fucking bad, man. My co-host hated him because he never got to see that. Like, you know, the roller coaster. I saw the farewell tour. Dude, that, that, I mean, visually it was awesome, but I thought it sucked. You know, he, he wasn't, started. Doing, he, was, he wasn't even doing a drum solo anymore. He, no, was, he was playing along the ACDC songs. Well, that and, was Dr. Feelgood. The farewell tour, he was playing along to techno music. Yeah, exactly. Fucking terrible. I hated it. I mean, visually it was awesome. Oh, yeah, it looks cool, but dude, you ain't, you, you kind of, you're playing shit that sucks. You know, it says, I can't stand that techno music he pulls out during it. And it's like, and the guy hates 
fucking Motley Crue. He hates rock music now. So obvious. Oh, is you that know? why you're not doing the, the show with him anymore? Uh, no, no, no. I'm talking <laughs> about Tommy Lee. <laughs> oh, oh, you're talking about Tommy Lee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Tommy That's a good one. You're right, though, man. He 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 hates it's a paycheck. He, he, totally, he hates he hates metal. He hates rock. Uh, a lot of drummers I've talked to, uh, like Jason Bittner from o- Overkill, he uh, he met Tommy Lee a couple of times, and he said uh, every time, like Jason Bittner wanted to talk to him about drums, and you know, he wanted to pick his brain about you know some of the beats he did on the old albums. And Tommy Lee seemed so disinterested. And almost seemed offended that he wanted to talk to some nobody about drums. You know what I mean? Wow. And, and he was even trying to, like, sell himself to Tommy Lee. Like, you know, like I've been on the cover of Modern Drummer a couple of times. You know, just trying to prove that he's a worthy drummer to, to be speaking to Tommy Lee. And Tommy Lee said, I don't read that magazine. <laughs> that was the reply. <laughs> wow. I'm, I read Techno Monthly. <laughs> totally, man. Like, I actually met Tommy Lee once. Oh, yeah. uh, they uh, they were touring for their self titled album, the one with John Karabi. Love that album. Yeah, good album, really good album. Um, and they played the Warfield on that tour, man. Like they had dropped out seriously. Oh, they, they, they didn't even come here. Yeah, I believe that, it. That tour was a flop. So they yeah they played the Warfield, which was only like maybe two thousand people, uh, maybe twenty five hundred. And after the show, they went to a local local club down the street that I was hanging out at and my friend's band was playing and, Ma- and uh, Tommy Lee and Nikki six walk in. And of course, though, I made a huge stir. It was a really small place. So everyone noticed them right away. Like, Holy shit, Molly Cruz here. And you know, Nikki six is hanging out at the bar and Tommy Lee walks into the room where the band's playing and he's watching my friend play drums. And my friend played a black beauty snare, a really beautiful old school Ludwig snare drum. That is a very expensive, very rare, at least the original ones are very rare, and just a very sought-after snare drum. It's a really cool drum, and any drummer knows about it, you know? And so he's playing it, and he's slamming on it, and I see Tommy Lee there, and I'm, like, trying to think of a way to get in to, to talk to him. So I go, hey, Tommy, great show at the Warfield, man. He goes, oh, thanks a lot, I, even though I didn't go. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, okay, I, he, he's already giving me the green light to talk to him some more. So I go... Hey man, doesn't that Black Beauty snare sound amazing? And he just looked at me and backed his head up like I said his mother was a whore or something. Wow! He really does not like talking about drums and doesn't want to talk about drums with anybody, man. It seems like so. Yeah, I mean it's obvious he's lost his uh, his zest for drumming. I mean Vince Neil said it the best in the the Behind the Music VH1. He just flat out said, "No, no, no. It's not because of this or that." It's because Tommy Lee wants to be a rapper. That's, that's what he said, you know? <laughs> nice. it's, it's 100% true, man. It's totally true. And I don't, yeah, I'm not a fan of the, the guy he is now, but early Tommy Lee, uh, I love. It was fantastic. Amazing. And a great showman, too, like twirling the sticks and all that shit. Absolutely. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, that's why I was taken back from this guy. I was like, man, how can you listen to Red Hot and Bastard and, and think he's and a live wire? And think he's not a phenomenal drummer. Totally. You know? I mean, you listen to those records, it's like, you know, you even use it or lose it off the, the theater of pain. He's absolutely ripping, you know? And he pounds, man. Louder than hell. That's some great pounding he does. Especially that fucking Karabi album. 
man, he's pounding the fuck out of the drums on there. That's his favorite Motley Crue album. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's up there with me too. That and Shout are my two favorites. And extremely underrated, I think. I think it's a really cool heavy album, you know. It just but, came out at the wrong time, you know. Yeah, it's it didn't sell and therefore, you know, let's make this stupid the generation swine, Jesus Christ. What a lame what, album, dude. Man, that was bad. <laughs> and I bought it because I figured, all right, this is what was supposed to be with Karabi, so I'm sure it rips. But then after I heard it, I go, oh, I get it. Since uh, 94 didn't sell, you know, let's, let's, uh, let's, you know, change with the times, you know. Totally. Fucking terrible, man. So, but, <laughs> so how do we get on Motley Crue again? But Motley Crue's been peppered throughout this whole Yeah, whole yeah, we, we, yeah, dude, dude, you're awesome, bro. I love having you on the show. I love and, I love doing it, man. Yeah, and and dude, all the people are like, dude, you gotta get Will on the show, man. You gotta you gotta make him your co-host. I was like, I don't know about that. The guy's a death <laughs> angel, dude. It's, it's not like the dude from New Orleans I did a show with that you know is home all the time. This guy <laughs> fucking tours, you know. Well, right now I got the time, so whenever you want me back, man, just let yeah, me dude. Go. I mean, I I think the next one we should attack is um definitely Blues to Cult. I mean, are you gonna get the new album? Oh, hell yeah. All right. I, I think it's coming out soon. Um, yeah, at the end, I, end of the month, I believe. I do. I, I'll be honest. I'm not too familiar with, you know, Heaven Forbid. and. I'm not of, either. I'm not yeah. either. I have them, but I, I don't, I've never listened to them more than two times, maybe. Yeah, I got it you know, on Club Ninja. I remember not liking it at all. And, not good. Not but good. But I, 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 I'm well-versed in the early stuff, you know. Cool, man. So, dude, that was awesome, man. We did the whole ACDC discography from the 70s, and look how long it took us to do it. Yeah. Because you know? there's so much to talk about in such a small period of time. What's the first album was? 74. So we just talked about six albums, and it took us like two, three hours, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, thank you again, Will. You rule, brother. You're Thanks, fucking brother, awesome, man. Dude. I'll and, talk to uh, you soon, man. Definitely. We'll plan the next one. Great, man. Take care. Well, there it was. Will Carroll from Death Angel, an amazing guest and a fan favorite. So, uh, hey, you know what time it is. I don't even have to say it. Let's do it. All right, we're inside the Vieira Vault, and I'm going to play some ACDC with Axl Rose. This is from the show I was at. I'm telling you, I've seen every tour from For Those About to Rock, with the exception of Who Made Who, because they didn't come to Florida, all the way up to Rock or Bust. I haven't missed a tour. Every show was amazing. This was my favorite show because of the set list. And Axel delivered, man. Now, this is bootleg quality. Uh, I hope one day, man, that ACDC will just uh, release a live album of this tour. Because it was phenomenal. Anyway, this is from the BTT Center when I saw them in Sunrise, Florida. Them doing If You Want Blood, You Got It. Turn it up.
ACDC with Axl Rose. If you want blood, you got it. All right, everybody. Thank you all for listening, especially if you're still listening. And thanks to everybody out there that's been sharing the episodes. And uh, please leave me a comment on the Apple Music, the iTunes uh, thing, and I'll read it on the air. So till next week, and I have more shows set up, man. There's plenty of more shows coming. I ain't missing no weeks. I haven't missed weeks since I left the Rock and Metal Combat podcast, with the exception of being in the hospital, but, you know, shit happens. So, till next time, smack a gob. <laughs> <laughs>